are back with another episode of Black Girls Vibe. Andrea, how are we doing this? How are we doing this Super Bowl Eve? Oh, we're doing all right. Yeah, doing all right. Another Saturday. Another Saturday. Um, I see we're not quite matching, but (laughs) we are similar. We have. We are similar. We are similar. We are matching in our team and player support, just not in exact color. Not in color, but all things Kansas City Chiefs, all things Patrick, my homies, my homes. Right. <laughs> go, go Chiefs. Go Chiefs, yes. And and just as proactively, boo bucks. Fair? That's fair. No, I no, that's totally fair. I'm all on board with that. Let's do it. Um, yeah, I I you'll be uh tickled to know this. I have kind of been on um an ESPN moratorium since uh Tampa Bay locked down the NFC championship and punched the ticket to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I just have not been here for the Brady whatever. Yeah, it's it's the the love fest, the whatever. I'm with you. Anytime that I've um, either in the morning, just you know, while I'm getting dressed, or either in the car listening to sports talk, and it comes up, I just try and find an alternative yeah. station. Yeah. So I, 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 I receive that. Yeah. <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the issues swirling around this good Super Bowl. So this is, I don't know if it's the first, but it's certainly not happened many times before where uh, a team in the Super Bowl is actually uh, the location for the hosting of the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, here's where my petty is. Like, if it, if it were any <laughs> other team, I'd... <laughs> Yeah, another home game. You know, I I feel like um, that Dave Chappelle character, like hate, 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 hate. Like I hate you. I hate your gut. Like I, just, <laughs> I can't get. <laughs> I just can't let the petty, and I guess what some would call the hate. Like I can't even like give the nod to that. Admit it, you know, because many teams would love to actually be going in the Super Bowl the year their city's hosting it. I know like, that's the dream. That is. Doesn't it just it just I'm feels sure like all of all of the things have aligned to like this perfect, you know, like he's made the move after 20 years with New England. It's his first year with the Bucks. Yes. They go to the Super Bowl yes. and they're playing in Tampa Bay. Yes. It's just or too yeah. much. And here uh, <laughs> Rob Gronkowski is not even realizing he's in a new conference. Lesson. Um yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah, it's just it's yeah. just too much. And I feel like like and I'm not begrudging Brady his is it six Super Bowl rings? I I think we'll we'll say that. I think so. Yeah. Is it, I'm not begrudging him those rings. Um there is separate from like the legitimate bona, bona fides as they would say, like there seems to be a particular thirstiness to make sure to make sure that Brady gets kind of I don't I don't I don't even know what the word for it is like 
that Brady has to be uplifted at all costs and can't can ne can never be like critically examined on any level. Mm -hmm. Like the stuff that or the the critiques that would touch other players just don't get to apply to Brady. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that that's what kind of irks me about it. Uh, and what I feel like is his just I don't know if it, if, it, if you I don't know what the word for it is, but there's something that's that feels inauthentic about him to me. But that's just one woman's opinion. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, I, I think that there are others who share that opinion. I could be others. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm others. <laughs> I'm others. <laughs> but, you know, I, so I think we there are similarities in the discussion about Brady and I like this comparison, but I will LeBron in a certain way. Um, mm -hmm. with, mm -hmm. But you can separate out the achievements and still have some criticism for the player. Like they're not above that. So you can right. appreciate what they are doing in the moment and being a part of watching them achieve this success and, you know, all these championships and whatever, but it, they're still human and there's still some flaws and critiques that can be applied. Sure. And that I think to your point is exactly what happens with Tom Brady. So it's, yes, he has won all these rings. Yes, he has been to X number of Super Bowls and achieved this, but he's still not above any critique. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you can't say anything. Cause so yeah, I, I, I hear you. I, I agree totally with what you're saying. Uh, which is why I have specifically avoided like ESPN because I feel as though, especially within it, the morning programming and very specifically like get up. It's just a Brady fest. Mm -hmm. My, Mike Greeny's like sick of fancy <laughs> or Brady. <laughs> it's just a lot. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, but you know, I do think separate from that, um, there are things to honor about what the bucks are doing. I mean, obviously this is an opportunity for Todd Bowles mm -hmm. to further make the case for why, <clears throat> pardon me, <clears throat> he's worthy of, head, head, uh, of consideration for another head coaching, uh, job, uh, in the NFL and, Drop a pin there because we cannot talk about head coaching in the NFL and Todd Bowles without then flipping it and talking about Eric Bieniemy. Right. Uh, so you just if we gonna talk about that now, or you want to put a pin in it and circle on back? It's up to you. Well, it it depends on how where we end up going with this and how much further we want to go into um, you know Tampa Bay and I, yeah. I think though we there so maybe now would be good to kind of switch to the coaching because talking about bold and the Tampa Bay coaching staff mm -hmm. and the diversity there. So yeah, we can, yeah. as, as the favorite word is pivot. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Love it. And pivot. You pivot. Yeah. So um, there were, I think a total of seven vacancies ultimately amongst the 32 teams. Um, at the end of the regular season and ultimately filled with uh, African-American candidate, um, Cully, who has joined the um, Houston Texans, which was the last team to make a hiring decision. Uh, Cully is like mm -hmm. 65 years old, 
40 years in the game as a mm-hmm. coach, first time head coach, you know, in a head coaching role. Uh, so his, his credentials are undeniable. Uh, that aside, so I guess, you know, the NFL gets to, you know, put a claim to, you know, to have not gone 0 for 7 in the hiring column. Uh, but it still begs the question, why not the enemy, given his undeniable credentials and his undeniable success? Right. Um, you just have to wonder, like, what's up with that? Do you I have some I have some thoughts and theories around what what could be going on with BNME and, and the decisions being made to not hire him? What do you do you but before I delicately delve into that, <laughs> uh, my thoughts. Well, you have some thoughts around it? I mean, it's 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 really what we talked about in our last conversation. And then just some of the chatter I've heard, it's really just I mean, there's no substance to it. Um, So, I mean, you may have some other opinions beyond what we've discussed, but all of the excuses that have been offered up as to why, like the, um, he doesn't interview well, whatever (laughs) happened back in college, you know, forgive anybody for anything that was done in college as they're applying for, that that wasn't illegal, but (laughs) you know, that still, you know, shouldn't be held against you in some regards in, in this type of, um, in your career, he was just being a college student. Um, and then, uh, I can't remember the other point, but you know, basically it's just a bunch of excuses as to right. why, like nothing speaks to, Oh, and, and the calling, he's not calling. Play calling. Yes. Yes. Right. That's, that's that right. was the other, right. um, but nothing really speaks to, Okay, so why so why not hire this man? So just be upfront about what it is, because all that's really being offered is a bunch of excuses for an individual who is, um, and a minority coach who has qualified and has shown that and proven that he is, um, especially given where he is and the team that he's on, and having come off a Super Bowl win and is now playing for a second one. That's right. But, that's so right. yeah. So what 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 thoughts and opinions do you have on that? So first, I want to circle back to a point you just made around one of the one of the you know um, observations about or critiques about him being that he doesn't interview well. By the time we talked a few weeks back, uh, that unfortunate um, opening presser for as the, the coach of the Lions, what was it the Lions? I think it was the Lions. Yes, the Lions, and you know, and so there was that. The it's talking about biting folks' kneecaps and stuff coming. Yeah. Yeah, while yeah. getting up. And then since then, you've probably seen the less than impressive presser uh, of the head coach, the newly hired head coach of the Eagles. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to imagine. I mean, there's an irony to the fact that this is the first year you've heard that with regard to a, a, a strong black coaching candidate that the critique was he doesn't interview well. And then as soon as we hear that, two great examples of white candidates who were successful, who did not articulate themselves well in those pressers. Right. It comes to light. And so it's like, okay, so the enemy was worth it, worse than these guys. So it, it's, you just rarely see that like things align in that way mm-hmm. where like that, that whole myth kind of got debunked as evidenced by two recent hires who 
like clearly struggle. I won't say they struggle with the King's English. It wasn't that. Um, <laughs> they just were not artful articulators mm -hmm. <laughs> at all. In, in just a press conference. So we're not yeah. even talking about like in the in the middle of a game, like yeah. play, you know, yeah. just any of that. We're just talking a, this is my first press conference as the head coach. Yeah. Um, and so I want to be, you know, I want to preface my observation by saying I want to be very careful about how I frame this because uh, I've really been racking my brain around. Well, you know, what what is it that's not spoken that could be going on with YB enemy? Um, is it isn't getting these jobs? Uh, and I don't think it has. Golly, Andrea, I want to be very careful how I say this. I wonder how much subliminally his physical presence mm -hmm. and stature play into that subliminally. I mean, mm. um, his, his size, his countenance, his complexion, I, those things have mm -hmm. crossed my mind. Um, and none of those are, uh, I don't intend uh, to suggest that, that those are negatives for him. I just wonder how much of that, I mean, we deal with subliminal stuff like that all the time. You know, uh, black women deal with it with regard perhaps to our hair, right? Like right. Those, those untangible things that, that go unspoken, but um, can often influence decisions. I'm just wondering how much of that I mean, separate from what you may just have to go ahead and chalk up to some form of like discrimination and racism. I wonder how much of the appearance piece is a part of the, sub the subconscious bias. I don't I know. Mean, I, yeah, I mean, that's a fair observation because, you know, truth be told, I think that's something that we all, you know, like our, our, our parents, that's something that, um, interviewers and those who are in positions in hiring positions like that's I mean that's something that we're judged on whether or not right or wrong or indifferent mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. if it's not a skill resume qualified then then what is it yeah. right so yeah. if he checks all the boxes on paper then I could I could understand if for um the pieces of a team. So if it's not the right fit for a specific team, because granted his style may not be a, the right fit for a certain team. That's fine. Um, but out of seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who, and not all of them were really good um, coaching opportunities. So that's like right. he wouldn't be in a position to succeed off the top. So, and that's you know, right. whether or not that's something coaches want to an opportunity to rebuild or just, you know, to jump in and um, be a part of a winning team that can be argued based on that particular coach. So not all of them were those types of opportunities, but out of seven of them though, none of them were a good match for what he offers. Yeah. 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 It's, it's just, it's hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine. And you and I, separate from this specific instance, we've talked about kind of um, ideally black coaches being put in or hired for teams that are like these legacy teams that are considered good teams and organizations mm -hmm. 
to work for rather than the less desirable, you know, uh, opportunities. I think at the end of the day, uh, uh, some people would put like the, 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 the Houston Texans organization, you know, uh, in that category of, you know, of, of the seven opportunities, if you if you ranked probably most people who are ranking may not put that as the most plum opportunity, right. especially given, you know, the, the, the discontent that's been expressed by Deshaun Watson um, and his his request rather than a demand, his request to be traded. Right. Um, you know, how plumb of an opportunity is that for any coach, particularly uh, a black coach who, who typically has a shorter kind of opportunity to, to come on with the come on mm-hmm, <laughs> and experience mm-hmm. success. Right. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm not even, you know, I don't know that if for me, I'd love to see the enemy get a job where he actually has an oppor- a legit opportunity to, to thrive and do well and where the culture of the, of the organization would support him in that. Um, and so, you know, as I run through my mind of the, of where the vacancies were, um, you know, uh, it sounded like the Jacksonville opportunity was a plum one because their position to get the number one pick and, and likely to select Trevor Lawrence and um, to the extent that um, the enemy is an offensive guru that that seem, that would have seemed to be a nice place for him to right. land. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I you know, it, it just it, it, it's it's beginning to make the question. What is it about the enemy specifically? Because we can't we, we cannot we're not going we are no longer bought. Uh, we were never bought into the fact that it was lack of qualifications. No. Uh, and here we've gone through two hiring cycles, one of which occurs after the man has gotten a Super Bowl ring as an offensive coordinator. Like, I just don't know at this point if he'll get hired because at some point that that stigma kind of attaches. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you're in the pool for so long, then, you mm -hmm. know, other because other people, other candidates will start to either they're working their way through the pipeline or or they're not. And as we've seen, they just here's a coaching job. And so, you know, but yeah, what, what then does he, I, I don't know, because he's in the pool for so long, then yeah, there is this stigma as to why, why are you not being hired? Yeah. Because probably by the time, um, maybe in the next season or two, not all the teams, but probably a good majority of them would have had a head coaching mm-hmm. vacancy. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And so you've got now, you know, maybe 16 teams mm-hmm. that have had um, that have looked for a head coach and he's not been hired for any of them. So yeah. and then, yeah. So if they win, when they win tomorrow, <laughs> speak it, speak it when they win. Uh, and uh, an OC who has two Super Bowl wins and has worked with a very talented young quarterback who Sky is still, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. If, if if he's not a desirable candidate, then who is yes. from a minority coaching perspective? That's right. That's right. So, if, if this guy can't get hired, who can? Who can? So, I don't know. I I wish him continued success with the with the with Kansas City and working with Andy Reid and just whatever he decides is his next 
step for him and what's best for him, then, you know, wish him all the best there, but would definitely still love to see him with the head coaching opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let's shift a bit. Let's pivot a bit, if you will. Let's pivot uh, again. Let's pivot. Let's do some more pivoting. Um, NBA. There's just been a lot going on the last couple of days alone. Uh, and so it's, I'm glad we're getting a chance to this. The, the timing of us talking about these things is pretty good because it's fresh off the, it's fresh off the presses. Mm-hmm. Um, welcome to Atlanta where the players play. Uh, good luck to you all as, as your town hosts <laughs> the All-Star Game on March 7th. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Because we're we're open. <laughs> Come. <laughs> we'll host you when you no one else friend. will. <laughs> you got y'all, you got Texas, and you got Florida. Mm. Um so as as an an Atlantan, as a sports fan, uh, talk to me about your reaction to All-Star Game coming there. I was shocked. Um, and I know we've exchanged messages about it and prior to the announcement and then, you know, have shared articles um, in our Facebook group about it just with the speculation. But when the announcement, I was, I was just floored. So, and I know some players have spoken out about it. LeBron, LeBron being one of them. Um, I was just really shocked though. So I understand, well, I don't, I don't, I don't understand the decision to come here. I understand if you still want to have a scaled down version of an all-star game to an extent, I really don't even feel like that's even needed because Mm -hmm. we just came out of the NBA season with the bubble and that was delayed. And then here we are with the start of a new season. I finally just started watching a couple games here and there this week. Um, so I think I had lost sight of just even that there would even be an all-star game. Um, but I think that speaks to, um, some of the, the financial uh, and economic decisions that happen with the NBA and any losses that occurred from the prior season and the potential losses in this season are what they're trying to recoup. And so having an all-star game of some sort and, I think some fans will be allowed in. I don't recall what, how they were limiting capacity. Um, so I definitely think that's the driving, that's the driver b- behind it. I just didn't think if you have it, why have it in a city that already has, I mean, we're open, but we have a lot of cases. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And Atlanta is a very appealing city for tourists and visitors. And then you add in, <laughs> Because we have a lot of entertainment life to offer. <laughs> sure, uh, in, sure you in do. In the evenings. And, uh-huh. Ask, ask Lou Williams. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's the wings. It's the wings. Ask Lemon Pepper Lou. Uh, right, exactly. So it's just when you talk about having that type of event, whether or not they can, whether or not you're allowing um, fans in the, in the game, you're still, that's still bringing people to the city. Yeah. And so I, I just, if you have the game, sure. But did it need to be in Atlanta is my, was my only thing. Cause I think somebody compared it to it being like they played in a bubble 
Well, yeah, but it was on a like in a compound where, and right. it was, it's just very different to having it at, I guess it's at State Farm, and then yeah, again, and it's not in that controlled environment. You're controlling right. the game, but you're not controlling anything else outside of that. Right. So that's you know that's my two cents since you right. since you asked. No, I it's um I was very curious and wanted you to kind of articulate. Uh, as an Atlanta, as an invested party, as an interested party, <laughs> uh, like your, your take on it. Yeah, I mean, the bubble comparison doesn't really hold true because as you mentioned, it was in a compound situation, it was contained. And what you didn't hear about was like promoters in Orlando having NBA bubble parties throughout the bubble season. Right, right. Uh, and this and Orlando does not have the same cachet around party promotion that Atlanta does. And so to your point, in addition to Atlanta already being this place where, I mean, we've seen the news articles before this decision was made that folks, folks from the Northeastern corridor are coming to Atlanta. They're going to Houston. They're going to Miami because those cities are open. Mm-hmm. and are less restrictive with activity than their mm-hmm. respective cities. So it was already that place that people are coming to for escape and a sense of normalcy. And you add something like an all-star weekend to that where promoters who've been desperate to make money off something are going to jump out the opportunity. Exactly. Um, so it's, it's just, I think it's a recipe for uh, disaster, as you mentioned LeBron has has come out against it. I saw that uh, uh, there's like a growing chorus around like questioning why it's happening. Kawhi, Giannis, Harden. Um, And I think they have valid points. Um, So too. Yeah, I think they have very valid points. Um, And it's interesting to see how, you know, the, the, the the NBA was held up as like, they're getting this COVID thing right as far as the bubble. And now it's like, they it feels like there's been a shift back to like a capitalist focus, capitalism mm-hmm. over like health and safety. And this, this is what we have. We have an all-star game during a season in which, and LeBron brought up a good point. Like, uh, I'm tired. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm tired you know, for him. <laughs> like we, we started a season in like, you know, October, November of 2019 played through early March, then mm-hmm. took a break through July. And then I played from July to October. Mm-hmm. I got 71 days off. Mm-hmm. And then I'm right and back I'm at it. it. And, and now I'm, and he, I'm number one in the vote getting for. Right. So, uh, and that's a five day break I would love to have. Yep. It's like that's a pretty compelling case, LeBron. I mean, yeah, and all of this in a in a pandemic. Like, in a pandemic, that, you know. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna wish the best for. I, I know what my friend's strategy will be who live there for that weekend. I know what the plan is for for you all. <laughs> it's it's like my new theme song, sitting up in my room by Brandon. <laughs> Cue the music, yeah. Cue the music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fortunate part. Um, but on a related note, not related to All-Star Games specifically, but the, how in the NBA is handling COVID, 
Did you see like what happened last night with KD getting pulled out of the game after having been, he was supposed to be held with held out of the game and then was told he could play and then was pulled out for good in the third quarter. Yeah. So I didn't, I did, so I only saw just a, a, um, the little, but didn't get, have any context as to, you know, what happened. So um, was it yeah. some testing that was just, or why was he? Yeah. Um, so yeah. before the, before the game, as I understand it, before the game, he had been determined to have been in contact with somebody who, whose tests had come back inconclusive. Ah, okay. So they told him fall back. Mm-hmm. But then closer to game time, or maybe early on in the game, he got the word, you can play. Okay. And then in the third quarter, uh, the second or another test for the close contact came back as positive. And that's why they snatched him like mid, like during the game. <clears throat> uh, and now he's not going to play for several games. Like he, they, they, they're holding him out. And so, you know, the reaction was, well, why would you have had an, a person who had been near an incon- even an inconclusive? Why were they even an option for playing? How were they allowed to go in and play while they remained inconclusive? Right. Uh, at that point, once you realize that he had been potentially exposed to a positive, what wasn't the game called? Because he's been in contact with Harden. He's been in contact with. So, yeah, it, it was the way it was managed really left a lot to be desired, I think. Uh, for him the most. And he's expressed his <laughs> discontent with it on social media. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's that's, just interesting that's unfortunate. to see. It's just interesting to see how the NFL has shifted its management of COVID, like from being this exemplar to like having, having some head scratching decisions come down the pipe. Yeah, because that's definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he never should have played anyway. So, but then you're right. So then he was pulled, and then the game continued. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. okay. Well, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, well, it'll be interesting to see how how the NFL hand the NFL the NBA handles the next couple of weeks with regard to the COVID piece and. Um, and where this all-star game piece lands, I mean, and and the observation about that too is also that like they had to come with some, to, into some agreement about that with the players' association. So we got to ask the players' association what its thinking is behind it too. Uh, right. I know that before they decided on State Farm Arena, there was talk, and I, as I understand the reporting, Chris Paul was advocating for like using the all-star game to push for HBCUs and potentially even host the game at Morehouse, I think was Morehouse. Uh, Obviously that fell through, but so I offer that to say like the leadership of the players union is, is behind this idea of an all-star game. Uh, So while, you know, LeBron points questions and observation criticism to the league, I mean, I think he's got to also turn to his brethren who are in leadership and ask the same question. And I'm I'm sure he is. (laughs) 
No, that's a, that's a good point. I'm glad you mentioned that because I had forgotten that that was part of the discussion um, and the agreement. And I, I appreciate them wanting to um, highlight and promote and focus and, and engage in the HBCU community in Atlanta. Just don't do it during the pandemic. <laughs> right, Just, right, right. You know, right. I appreciate the exposure that these fine institutions have, have garnered um, over the past year. It's long overdue. Um, but I think there's an opportunity to have a more meaningful um, and impactful all-star game when we're not in the midst of a pandemic, especially when <laughs> people in the minorities, uh, people of color are the ones who have been um, adversely impacted more so by the virus. So yeah, I, I have some questions about that decision too. Um, yeah. But nevertheless, yeah. March 7th. Yeah. March 7th, here we come. So yeah, I mean, yeah. it's an interesting point around HBCUs for this to be the year to decide, well, we're going to do it for the HBCUs. Well, you'd actually be doing them a disservice to do it in this very demult to bring to try to bring attention like in a certain way you do you bring a, do them a disservice by making this something that you make a priority during a pandemic like right. make it a priority during more normalized times and a more normalized set of circumstances uh, mm -hmm. find opportunities short of hosting an all-star game to highlight HBCUs. You don't need an all-star game to do that. Absolutely not. Absolutely um, not. Yeah. So I, I don't want like, it, you know, it kind of felt like the HBCUs became like this, like in this way, a scapegoat, like mm -hmm. we're doing it for mm -hmm. the HBCUs. We're going to have this programming that, yeah, you could, but you could do that regardless of it, an all-star game, especially one that some of your star players aren't particularly geeked about being in. Right. Right. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So we'll keep an eye on the NBA. Um, got another pivot for you. Completely okay. away from football, completely away from basketball. Um, only other thing I might offer about basketball on the collegiate level, my Tar Heels <laughs> play and Blue Devils tonight. All right. Okay. The Jordan meme is going to end up on the page one way or another. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping it's not me, but you know, if my team takes an L, I'll I'll be rocking the Jordan face in a couple of hours. I know you're you're good about that. You you take the wins, but you take the losses the same way. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. All right, Lamar, we are gonna see you in these streets. So, <laughs> um, golf. Mm. Tiger Woods, mm. the documentary mm -hmm. series on, mm -hmm. well, two-parter on HBO. Yes. Let's talk about it. Okay. Yep. So we, we <laughs> talked about it briefly at the end of our last. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I had some homework to do because I had not viewed said documentary. I did watch it and I'm prepared to share my, <laughs> I've crossed my legs waiting for this. So. <laughs> my thoughts and opinions about this documentary. Um, it was for someone, and I don't think we've spent a lot of time in any of our previous podcasts really 
about golf. Maybe when Tiger, maybe when he came back and won the Masters. Maybe, maybe. when he won. Maybe when he won the Masters. And, yeah. and that, I mean, mind you, that was two years ago. Right. You know, and we and we were. I mean, we were very much in the podcast infancy then. So yeah, not substantively since then. Not for yeah. Um. So you know, for me, that's really so. Two people really inspired me and, and really, it, they're, they're the reason why I have watched golf and mm-hmm. attempted and took lessons to learn how to play. Okay. Um, my dad mm-hmm. and Tiger. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so there were, the way the first part of the documentary was um, set up, which really emphasized the relationship that Tiger had with his father and um, everything that his father did to coach and really shape where Tiger went in his career. Like it was already, he's going to be, what was it? He's going to be the next, was it Gandhi or? The next um, Gandhi. Like he really like framed him as this like athlete slash humanitarian. Like he was going to be equal parts, otherworldly on the golf course, but he's also going to be this figure of humanitarianism. Like yeah. like Gandhi, yes. Yes, uh, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. I can't speak to, mm-hmm. I, I'm not well-versed on it, on the ins and outs of any of Tiger's humanitarian efforts. So I can't say if what, I, <laughs> so. Friend, I think you can say this though. He's not in the Gandhi conversation as far as humanitarianism. You can't yes, say that. That is fair. I can say that. Yes, thank you. I can say that. <laughs> I will say though at the beginning, and I don't want to share too much for people who haven't seen it and plan to watch. The setup in the first part of this uh, documentary with Earl Wood speaking at, um, gosh, was it? I think it was like an awards. Um, mm-hmm. And you get these clips of Tiger and Earl's talking. And I think it was when he was talking about he's going to be this, like the next Gandhi in this space. It's when they're showing like Tiger being, (laughs) when he was arrested for the, um, yes. (laughs) For the the DUI or for the. um... For the DUI. Yes. I think it was for the DUI. And I was like, oh, I'll see where this is going. But anyway, so the first part I could appreciate and 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 liked how they how it was set up with more so what's the dynamic um and how it evolved, right? From mm-hmm. from Tiger in that very young age to oh, we get him on whatever show that was, and oh, he's this cute little kid. Oh my Prodigy. Yeah. yeah, playing golf. This is great. And and the role that Earl played and how their relationship changed just over different periods in his life. So the first part, great. Um, the second part though, it took a turn it didn't need to take. Yeah. And for me, because where we got this whole, I feel like it was a buildup of here's Tiger at his peak. And then the second part was really just all about the downfall. The teardown. And the teardown, because that's really what it was. Um, 
it was some personal issues that were going on with him that was brought into the spotlight because of who he is and the public tore him down because we are the ones who built him up. So that's what we do. He He's less than perfect because that's the standard that we have put him on this pedestal. Um, and then there's this little glimpse at the end of the comeback, mm-hmm. which all for me really could have been a, a, a part of the story, not a whole second part of the documentary focused on all the personal. Um, yeah. I could have done without that. It's a part of the story, but it's not the whole story. Um, and I think it's telling as to, he went through a lot. Like I, it's like the whole with um, uh, Peyton Manning and the, and the next, like yeah. all of the, the man has had so many different back surgeries when the clips of him, and I remember some of it vividly just from watching him play, but when he played with the knee and the, like, come on. Mm-hmm. So I, I got, I felt like I understood to some extent, like how much pain he was really in. And then sure, offer some of what that personal side, but I didn't really need all of the extra with the, with the whip. I, I didn't need all that <laughs> in the second part. And then it just became something else. So I was less interested in the second part of the documentary for that reason. Cause I didn't feel like it added any value yeah. to, um, to his legacy and his and his story. So um, there were parts in there that I know you and I talked about with, um, his name is escaping me, with the masters. Um, yeah, and his name is escaping me too. I was trying to think of it just now and it, it just. Um, but just like this apology tour that he went on after, which really didn't need to be done. Like I didn't need that from him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the fact that there was this um, expectation that he that Tiger needed to apologize, especially to those um, at Augusta National, right? Yeah, it, it for was, a personal matter. For a personal, for a personal matter, for a yeah matter. So yeah. I was completely turned off by the by the second part of that documentary. Um. I, I was too, for, for many of the same reasons you've expressed. Um, I felt like for one overall, you know, this, this is the problem you can run into when you kind of do this unauthorized biography. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that the, the, um, the, fir- the benefit that the first part had that the second didn't without, trying, without giving too much away is that it, ha- it had more of a feel of intimacy, intimacy to it it mm-hmm. had more of a feel of you feeling like you un- you were gaining an understanding of what was driving his family mm-hmm. I mean, a lot a lot through the very you know earl's words and tiger's words um but for the second half you don't have the benefit of earl's words uh and you don't have like the second half felt a little lazy to me because right. it, it seemed to rely too heavily on the salacious aspects of what's happened to him, you know, what happened to him from like 2009 to 2017 mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, and it didn't have enough of the redemptive arc. And right. maybe that's because 
He didn't, you know, he didn't sit down. It wasn't like Jordan in the last dance where it's a Jordan driven work. And so you get the benefit of knowing how he felt at every turn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This could have benefited from in order for the arc to feel complete, like it, I felt empty at the end. I mean, there's this great kind of full circle moment with him and, and Charlie. Right. Yeah. But it doesn't, it didn't quite curl. <laughs> like it didn't no, it didn't. It's like you're waiting for it. And then it's like. <laughs> they could have spent a little bit more time developing that rather than devoting so much time to like the, what I'll call the salaciousness of, mm -hmm. of uh, what got exposed. Uh, right. Uh, and as far as the, the criticism and the condemnation that came from the the um, the Augusta National the um, why am I blanking on this is forty six um, yeah, right um, <laughs> but as far as that criticism it was so far beyond the pale I mean there are golfers who help me think of the golfer's name who's like um, who has had his own set of troubles around alcoholism. Um, kind of was a, like a little heavy oh, set to be on the yeah I so know exactly you, you know, you know who I'm talking about we're both we're both kind of the name is his name is escaping both of us but if you're not criticizing him and you know he's had his ups and downs mm -hmm. his name uh, if you're not criticizing him like hold back on the whole like going out of your way to make sure your your sponsors know You've you've slapped this black golfer on the hand for his transgression, right? Right. Because it right. does. You just, you just wonder whether that happens if it's not Tiger, right? And I, I don't. It right, and it it doesn't. So he didn't do anything that. Um, it was all personal, right? Yeah. So it, yeah, these right. are personal. Um, between him and his family, uh, and I, I get it. I understand. We've seen it with a lot of our um, athletes, and you know, others who were in the spotlight. You, well, I, I don't, but I know that there are people <laughs> who who hold them to a higher standard because they right. are, and set these expectations because you know they should be role models. And when they do something that is because they're human. So when they do something that's short of that, any of us and some of us are guilty of doing, but because they are an idol or a role model, whatever the case may be, we hold them to a different and higher standard. And so when they fall short of that, again, these were all personal matters. Yeah. It wasn't anything that he was doing from a standpoint of his performance in playing golf. So unless somebody brings some performance enhancing, you know, like something mm -hmm. along those lines where he's cheating the game or, or, right. or some, some advancement that he's making that's unfair, that's, um, or illegal in the, mm -hmm. in the, yeah. in the golfing. It was none of that. So it was way too much time spent on, on all that other, but it's like, it's still amazing. Billy Payne is his name. That's the, and John Daly. <laughs> It's like it's really pain, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I was still waiting on that arc because at what is he forty six now, forty five, forty six, forty five, forty six. He's a he's a year or two younger than me. Okay, so to still be playing, and I know he's out now with some injuries, but that comeback 
And the fact that, like, you cannot take away the diversity of the people who started watching golf um, because Mm -hmm. he was playing and because he did well and who, you know, ratings were down when he wasn't, during that time, he wasn't playing. But then when he started golf way more and i and i know that there was a lot of talk when he um when he was out with all the and all the personal about oh he should retire he should retire oh he do now because you know since he was what a year old he's had a golf club in his hand i still think the game of golf needs him more than he needs the game i truly believe that because the game has benefited so much from him having played in it Tiger will be fine. <laughs> I know yeah. just like with any other athlete or, you know, he, there's a, that adjustment, but he'll be fine. But what will the game of golf and, you know, like I, it, it's evolved and there there's more diversity because he has played. And so the game of golf definitely needs him more than, than he needs golf. For sure. For sure. Um, you mentioned like him, but like, the wince, like realizing how much pain he endured to play, like when his back started. Let me tell you something. Listen, back problems. Back <laughs> problems. Like watching him push through that. Mm-hmm. When I know I've wanted to like lie prostrate in in like airport <laughs> concourses behind back right. pain. Right. Um, it's amazing when you think in terms of what he kind of compelled his body to do under like intense pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I, wa- I rewatched the first part like earlier today to kind of refresh my recollection on some things. Um, and it, it's, it was kind of, there's kind of a tragedy in my mind to the fact that, you know, uh, Earl trained him to be like this mercenary animal. And it was that very instinct that led to like the schism in their relationship. Right. Like when he yep. leveled up, yep. his father didn't make the cut, right? Yep. <laughs> but that, that's how he trained him to be though. Right. Right. Mercenary. Right. Yep. That's if very oh, that's so fence, true. If the part of Finn's cut it off. Yeah. And he and in a way he it felt like he did that to his father once he reached mm-hmm. a certain level of fame. That he trained him to be that guy. Exactly. Yep. That is so true. Um, mm. So, you know, sometimes that stuff can can come back on you. Like this thing, this yeah. you know, he was he was training this athlete humanitarian. And uh, uh, and, and and I won't I won't, you know, the 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 the, the chapters aren't aren't written on fully written on on Tiger yet. No. To your point. Right. And and who knows what he will do with his life. Once he's done with the clubs, whenever that is, he may become Gandhi. Like, so, you know, I'm not going to write him off prospectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just not reached that level of humanitarianism. Right. This yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, and, you know, clearly, I don't know Tiger personally, <laughs> but, <laughs> but just in, um, in some of the, the later clips in that second part, and even just, you know, watching him play since he's been back from the the major um i guess the last couple of years um it does 
I get the impression and see that yeah, I guess older, wiser, you mm-hmm. have a different appreciation of where you are in life and in your career. And so there seems to be a shift um, for him just watching him play. Um, so maybe that, you know, the, the mental, like it's still there, but it's just a different, I don't know, it's just a little different. So I, I do feel like maybe there is an opportunity for him to, yeah, like there is this next chapter of what will I do um, knowing that he's been through so much and taking all of that to where he will go next. Cause I mean, you know, mid late forties, there's still so much in life for him to do. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what he will do in the Absolutely. future. Hopefully Absolutely. he'll be back soon. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I want to see him, you know, meet and then break The, the 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 title that Nicholson Nicholas holds at this point, yeah, you know, I, yeah. I you know, I, I wish that for him in the same way that I, I I wish for Serena to do the same on on you know the tennis <sighs> side of the house, yeah, and, and Australia is <sighs> coming up, so yeah, tennis yeah. is about to be back, so we'll have we'll have a little bit to discuss on that. I know we're coming up on uh, our time, but um, I know that there is um, an effort that you and I have uh, have. Uh, committed some time to this month around heart health awareness. So you want to spend our last few yes. minutes talking a bit about uh, the American Heart Association and heart health and promoting uh, getting out there and living a, a healthy lifestyle. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've shared this on my page uh, recently about my, my struggles with hypertension and everything. Um, and I don't have some, like, I haven't had like some life threatening incident with it, but you know, it's a part of my daily, like I take a pill every day for hypertension. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I have to think every day about, you know, whether to sit, whether <laughs> now, whether my, de- <laughs> I have to think every day about whether my decisions are in alignment with someone who wants low blood pressure. Now, right. I don't always <laughs> the mark, <laughs> but but there is, but but there's an awareness, but there's and an at awareness. least an effort. So. Yeah, yeah, um, and you know, heart disease, cardiovascular disease, is the uh, number one killer of women in America. One out of three women will die of cardiovascular disease in this country, mm-hmm. uh, and so it 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 takes out more of us than all cancers combined. Yeah, uh, that's so, those are sobering facts and numbers to yeah. kind of digest. Um, What would you say uh, from your view, from your perspective, uh, what are you doing to promote a healthy lifestyle? So similar to you, um, I I have a maintenance um, pill that I take as well. So I have hypertension. I cannot recall when um, I was diagnosed and how long I've been on it, but I, like you make a conscious effort to like, I don't want to be on this um, for the rest of my life, but also recognize that even with some of the changes that I do make and have made, I may very well be because I'm just predisposed to that. Um, so I am, I, I try, so I've started working out regularly, have been, but have really been probably likely because of the pandemic, but and age. 
<laughs> make a conscious effort to do some type yeah. of physical activity at least 30 minutes a day. Doesn't happen every day, but that's at least the goal. So just staying active because those opportunities to be as active, you know, like in your early 20s and 30s kind of go away as you get older. So just staying active and having some variety um, in, in what I'm doing just to keep things interesting and so I can stay motivated. Um, and then just, you know, healthy eating. Every time I go to for my, right, or healthier eating. <laughs> Every time I go for my physical exam, which I, I go for on Monday, uh, my, my doctor gives me, it's like a printout of, uh, you know, the DASH diet. So yeah, the yeah, the dash is, no, I'm, familiar with, I'm familiar with dash. Yeah, the I'm, dash diet. I'm familiar um, with dash. Yep. Yeah. So just you know, everything in moderation, all the things that we know, but just really trying to put it in practice. Exactly. But I think that yeah. So the the um, physical activity and um, and the healthier eating are just a couple of the ways that I am trying to practice. Just if I'm on this maintenance or trying to come off, this is you know, some of the things that I can't control. Sure. And I was raising my finger to say, I just wanted to like put it on record. Like you've been an inspiration to me from like a physical activity standpoint, for real. Like you have leveled up, you have leveled up. (laughs) We see it. (laughs) Uh, And yeah, like, so thank you for being like a role model. Well, thank you. Oh, I appreciate that. You're welcome. I mean, you've been putting in the work, so. Well, and part of that is, well, and I also know that I have friends too who, whether you all know it or not, and you included, who keep me motivated. So days that I don't want to, you know, especially with that boot camp, it's like, all right, let's <laughs> <laughs> gonna do it. Okay. All right. Let's, let's run. Let's do something. So I appreciate that. So, so thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. But yeah, I mean, I think that I, it is, I don't like having other friends. Like if I had my way, none of us would have hypertension or cholesterol, Mm -hmm. but um, there is a community that can come with having like common ailments, if you will. Um, And so it is, it is cool to kind of have a support network that you can kind of, as informal as, and as loose as it is, it's, it's, it's great to have that support network to be able to, uh, either directly or indirectly draw from what other people are doing. Yeah. Uh, yep. You know, those, those days when, you know, I, I, I fall off the wagon and I'm not as good. I don't eat right or whatever. Like remind myself, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Exactly. Uh, and to extend yourself some grace because you're not going to exactly. get it right every day. Exactly. Uh, so um, yeah, like healthy eating, Exercise and getting getting some uh, physical activity, which has been which has admittedly been a challenge uh, in the pandemic, right? Like mm-hmm. having to like basically um, start your own home gym of some, or at mm-hmm. least your own home plan. <laughs> right. <laughs> my my rec room officially looks like something where you know exercise occurs now. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but we want to encourage everybody to, um, you know, just make, it doesn't have to be major life sweeping, like wholesale, like changes. Don't, don't throw out the contents of your refrigerator. <laughs> like 
right. just making like small changes in your diet, even making small changes in how much you move around. Mm-hmm. Like just th- rem- reminding yourself every hour to get out and get get up and move around. Right. Uh, just get active. Start making, if you can, small uh, changes in your diet because you know we all want we all want long lives and we want long lives that have a high quality of life attached. To absolutely, them. absolutely. So if you live a long life, but the quality is poor, then that that's tragic. You yeah, know, that, that's yeah. That, that that and that happens to far too many people. Uh, and uh, we're at the age where we can still very much kind of control our destinies in this way. So want to encourage everybody uh, to do the same. You can go to heart.org, which is uh, the American Heart Association's um, webpage. Find all kinds of resources there. If you want data around cardiovascular disease and stroke, if you want recipes Mm -hmm. around uh, healthy living and eating. Countless organizations are having programming, sponsoring programming throughout the month of February specifically. So if you're on social media, Facebook in particular, uh, there's a wealth of information, a wealth of programming at your fingertips. It's just a matter of of seeking it out. And a shameless plug of our sorority, Alpha Kappa sorority, uh, we're doing ongoing, you know, respective chapters are doing ongoing programming. Uh, so, you know, check out if you know some AKAs in your area, you know, ask them about if they're in a, and if they're in a chapter, ask them about what their chapters are doing around uh, uh, heart health for this month. It's they're mm-hmm. likely to be doing something. So we want to mm-hmm. get everybody good and healthy and on the right path to long to longevity. Absolutely. Well said. Thank you, friend. Thank you. Well, we've come up on the bewitching hour <laughs> of an hour. Um, you have anything any parting shots any closing remarks for the peeps before we uh, log off sign off no we covered a lot today and um, definitely echo you know go do something active um, even if it's walking for 10 minutes Uh, take a couple breaks while you're watching the Super Bowl during the commercials and walk around Um, make modify your your um, your dip or whatever you're eating and be safe if you're having any Super Bowl gatherings. Yes, please, please do be safe tomorrow, whatever it is you're doing. Uh, everything in moderation, whatever it is, number of guests, amount of food. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, you know, that's one thing um, haven't got around to as we close. Um, for those of you who, for those of you who follow us on our Facebook page, we, you know, and are watching the game tomorrow and are doing something around it, post pictures of what you're eating tomorrow. Post pictures of, of what you're drinking tomorrow. Uh, I have crafted, and Andrea knows this. I've crafted two drinks, one of which is, is quite petty. Uh, <laughs> a tea, one, one, you know, they're team oriented drinks. So one is called the Get Buck for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, it involves uh, Bacardi 151. That's I won't make the, it involves Bacardi 151. And, um, and yeah, I just, I just won't go there. I won't, make, I, I, won't, I won't make the reference to Brady's age. Uh, <laughs> and the other one, uh, what did we end up landing on? Uh, all the smoke? I think it was all the smoke. Well, we, we did, well, there were, there were several smoke themed <laughs> 
names yeah. we had for it. But I think I've landed on all the smoke, uh, which is, you know, a, a smoke barbecue kind of themed uh, drink for um, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I don't know if I'll get around to actually making <laughs> those to uh, like, hopefully I will, but just kind of depends on how the day goes. But if I do, I'll yeah. drop the recipes <laughs> on the, uh, on the page. All right, my friend. So we're going to huddle up again in two, two weeks. Yes, ma'am. All right. Yep. All right, y'all. Peace out. We'll see you in two weeks. See ya.